0: Hey everybody, we're back with another wonderful rendition of There Is No Off Season. We're doing another Tino where we're talking about Dynasty Baseball. It's Baseball Perspectives' Dynasty Podcast. I'm Mark Barry. With me, as always, J.P. Breen. J.P., how's it going, man? Just trying
1: to get to the... like. I was just thinking before we started that free agency is officially open,
0: correct? Yeah, as far as I can tell. So like the stove and chase anderson got traded so the stove is heating up chase
1: anderson got traded eric thames uh ended up parting ways with the with the brewers organization um for reasons unknown because apparently now i'm gonna have to deal with is ryan braun going to play first base questions for the next four and a half months (laughs) the answer is maybe well, the answer was, like, he did kind of two years ago, and everyone thinks that first base is something that you can just put any human at, and they will be able to perform well. But I think most people forget the fact that Brian Braun has one of the worst statistical seasons at third base ever, and it was largely because his footwork was terrible. And putting that at first base is not necessarily the best thing that you can ever do.
0: No, but you can, you can learn, right? Like you can, that stage in your career, you can just pick up a new position. Like as nothing. That seems like something that a lot of people would be able to do. I'm now getting to the point. I'm like, basically, I,
1: I was going to say, I think Ryan Braun's still older than me by a couple of years, but I'm getting to the point now that I mean I, I, I kind of feel
0: like he would always be older than you, right? That, that wouldn't change. Yeah, it's fair point.
1: Yeah, no, that's a good point. But I was gonna say, like, I'm now at the point that I'm not sure I can learn new things, um, including how time works apparently. So, uh, so no, I don't, I don't necessarily know. But the Brewers did this with like Chris Davis um, mm-hmm. uh, for years, where everyone was like, "Just Chris Davis is terrible in left field. Just put him at first base." And everyone's yeah. like, "He he tried, and the team said it, it didn't go well, so they decided not to do that." And then everybody just yelled about it for a long time, and then he got traded.
0: Yeah, I sort of think that that's a, a pretty standard thought process of just put somebody at first base because it usually works, but then when it doesn't, it really doesn't, and you just can't You can ever go back to it. Well, well, you can, but you can't do it with success.
1: Yeah. Well, like so the Brewers, I think it had to have been 2013 or 2014 that they had Uni Betancourt and Alex Gonzalez at first base for a little bit. They had um, the The glory days. I was going to say they had somebody that nobody probably heard uh, has heard of. And that's uh, Blake Lolly played there for a little bit as well. And the best part was uh, David Stearns had to ask had to answer a question about whether or not they would move Keston here to first base as if that makes any (laughs) sense. Um, And then, of course, then the question is, then who do you have at second base? And everyone goes, well, I don't know just kind of move people around to that's less way
0: that's way easier to figure out than first
1: base yeah right especially when they like you would imagine that they have something in place or something in mind if they already decided that their in-house option was not the better option so we'll, we'll end up seeing what happens but <laughs> that has all happened before even free agency is open so it's going to be a phenomenal year of questions about rosters undoubtedly
0: Yeah. Well, and that leads us to our opening question, which is uh, where do you think the big pitchers are going to land? And I think you're talking about uh, Julio Tehran, right? Certainly. And, and I would imagine people are then wondering whether or not he's going to be a sixth or a seventh inning reliever. (laughs) Uh, So I, I don't, it's so fascinating because I do it too. Like I'm excited to see where Cole and Strasburg and uh, Rendon, who we'll probably won't talk about today, but uh, we we will definitely talk about him eventually. And it's it's a Charlie Brown, Lucy type thing where I'm like, okay, this is great. Garrett Cole is going to sign somewhere. And I mean, is there any evidence, like people say that they're going to Sign and they're in on these guys, but is there any evidence that this is going to be something that happens before like January, February? I guess the fact that they're pitchers, it's less of a is somehow less of a concern because Patrick Corbin signed relatively early last year, so maybe. But it just seems like we're kidding ourselves that there's going to be a lot of movement happening quickly.
1: Yeah, it's it is strange. I think Strasburg might have a shot if he ends up going back to to Washington. Yeah. Um that might be something that can materialize pretty quickly, but the biggest thing that we've heard in the last, what, two days or so 48 hours has been, I think it was the Dodgers basically came out and said, they're not really looking to spend money. The Red Sox came out and said, they're not really interested in spending money. The Cubs are like, well, we've got huge budget constraints. I think the Yankees have already questioned whether or not they want to spend all that much. And, uh, you know the Astros already said that well we probably could afford Garrett Cole but we're not sure we want to yeah um and so it, i think the biggest thing that we've been seeing over the last couple of days is all of these big market teams that you would i know a lot of it is posturing but i think in the past couple of years we've also seen it it's not posturing that these teams don't want to spend money they don't want to go over the 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 luxury tax threshold if i don't you know if they don't have to and they certainly don't have to i i think your I think your expectations about these things dragging on longer and longer is is probably how it's going to happen. I'm not necessarily sure if this is something in which Boris is going to push Garrett Cole to, to sign, you know,
0: as quickly as we would like to see it happen. Yeah, it's it's annoying, but that just gives us more time to speculate on where they're going to land. So if you had to pick real, maybe realistically and where you, would, you wish it would happen, where do you yeah. think Garrett Cole is going to go?
1: I so I think everybody keeps talking about Go, Garrett Cole going to uh the Angels. And mm-hmm. and I and I understand that I do think that the Yankees still make a lot of sense. Um I think that that Garrett Cole I still think he's probably going to end up going to the Angels just because I think that there's so much smoke there. Um but I would say that the Yankees are probably second. The Yankees might be more interested in somebody like you know i don't know if it's zach wheeler or something like that but but strasburg i think he ends up going back to the nationals uh but i think the dark horse to, to look at is um is going to be atlanta okay because i was looking at atlanta's uh their kind of like their their contract layouts and mm-hmm. i think it's like 60 million
0: and I mean, they they are bringing back Nick Markakis, so that's going to eat into that a little bit.
1: Yeah, it was like a whole four million dollars. Absolutely, mm-hmm. it was it was big. And all of their uh, all of their highly prized youngsters, whether you're looking at Acuna and everybody else, basically uh, already signed. So they've got their their beloved contract uh, certainty in terms of knowing exactly how much that they're going to have to budget. The thing with Atlanta that's always difficult is the fact that they are owned owned by a corporation which i know everybody is owned by uh, certain business um i don't know if you want to say business interests or business sure. organizations in some capacity but i do think that we've seen again and again that atlanta is really constrained by a very fixed budget every single mm-hmm. year so it will be interesting to see if they go but they could really use a high-end guy
0: yeah it's it's funny we i Always wish that we disagreed more, but for I I just jotted down in some notes for Cole Angels, Yankees, and for Strasburg Nationals, and then my one where I thought it'd be really interesting was if he goes back to San Diego. Yeah, that, I think that back that could as make in sense. Like going back to where he played or where he pitched in college.
1: Yeah, yeah. Do you think do you think the Padres are going to go big in free agency again, or do you think that they want to go big in terms of the trade market?
0: I, I guess it depends. Um, I think that they'll probably make a run at both those guys and see what the numbers ultimately shake out, or see what numbers ultimately shake out. But I think that they have that capability either way, in, in either direction. Yeah, uh, they they loaded up. I know that they had talked about Syndergaard. They talked about Trevor Bauer. Um, they had talked about Corey Kluber for a while um, in the trade market and. They could have. They pretty much could have had Bauer because a lot of the, the trade package was stuff from San Diego, um, but they opted for Taylor Trammell instead. So they're they're loading up. Um, they already had a great system. They're loading up, and the, they would be able to swing something via trade. But I don't know, man. It's just. I mean, it's not my money, but it's also like they're everyone's making a lot of money, and it's only money which is like a ridiculous thing to say for people not owning baseball teams but if you could get Steven Strasburg and then still have all of your prospect uh capital then that that just seems like a like a slam dunk
1: yeah it i mean cuz the big thing for me is you know my gut says that the Padres have been looking at the trade market for so long, and they've been looking at Noah Syndergaard in particular for so long mm-hmm. that that just makes a lot of sense. But looking elsewhere, I, I mean, who are the young high-end pitchers that are available? I mean, so much of the talent is being kind of, I don't, I, I don't want to say just like it, it's not top-heavy, but. You just look at so, so many of the young, controllable pitchers. It's either on up-and-coming teams like, you know, the the Braves, and I'm, the Reds aren't necessarily going to be all that interested in moving, and the White Sox of Giolito, but they're going to be entering where a lot of their young guys are going. And you don't—the teams that are bad are already bad.
0: I wouldn't be surprised if if there's talk about Cleveland— making another move especially now that Shane Bieber is kind of the new ace of the staff and then they have Clevenger and the the problem is um they extended Carrasco and Kluber I think has uh, has just one more year left on his deal but both of those guys are coming back from pretty serious uh injuries or ailments so I don't know how um how much they could realistically get for either one um so, so that that kind of tamps it down a little bit. What the heck is Cleveland doing? I don't know, man. It's it, it's really frustrating. frustrating. Yeah, it's super frustrating. I got um, I'm writing their comments for the annual, and I had left Francisco Lindors until the very last one, and it was it was both like super super exciting and thrilling to go back and look at all the stuff written or, uh, go back and watch some of his highlights. But then hearing the, uh, hearing the owner come out and say, Oh, you better enjoy him now. Like that's just such a gut punch. Yeah. So yeah, that's, it's, they have a lot of good stuff, but also you just don't have any idea what they're doing and they're trying to get in, uh, on that shoestring budget. So yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if they moved one of their guys. Yeah, I would say I also was looking through some names, and Matthew Boyd might be somebody that
1: that is looked at too with with Detroit. Um, the problem is, is he was so bad in the second half that not necessarily sure how attractive he is on the market at the moment.
0: Yeah. But it's so go go it's sign be weird. go sign Strasbourg. All all of you teams, go sign one of the really good players. It it usually makes you really good or better. <laughs> I, it does normally. It signing good
1: players normally does make you better, but it do, does it really matter if it doesn't make you
0: smart? <laughs> good point. And if it's it's not good business, because everyone is really concerned about looking good uh, on the bottom line for their business acumen. So, yeah. if you can get praised for your business acumen, then that's way more fun than you know winning a World Series or anything.
1: I think the interesting thing was the I think it was Bill shaken uh, was talking about um, the Dodgers and saying that they had the they had the money and they had the ability to go out and get somebody like Garrett Cole but um you know the Dodgers really like what their business model is doing at the moment
0: <laughs> I know I, I just it made me throw up in my mouth,
1: yeah I was like I was like that's what we're all cheering for is the most efficient business model that we can possibly cheer for
0: like listen they uh, lost two world series in a row and then went out in the NLDS but damn if that's not a great business model. I know well and but to be fair that's what we were saying about the
1: Nationals recently. Though the, it's not like the Nationals were, were cutting budgets,
0: right? They were going no, out and getting they I were
1: think going the out and getting the Nationals
0: is a good example of doing both. Like they had a lot of young guys. They they um they developed Rendon, Soto, Turner and then they but they also spent Money. Look at their three top starters. Like you can yeah. say all you want about Harper leaving, but they were loaded in the outfield before, and they spent money to supplement it. I, I don't think that they're one of the, one of the issue teams at all. Which,
1: like, the most interesting thing to me about the Nationals, and then I know this isn't dynasty related, but like, they had, it was it was you know their bullpen that was the biggest issue, and then when they got to the July deadline, they were just like, we're just going to acquire just a crap ton of relievers and just put them all in our bullpen. Mm-hmm. Um, and it didn't really work out. Like, none of them were really that good. I mean, D- Daniel Hudson was fine, but nobody was really that great. And then somehow it kind of, like, all worked out in the end, even though, like, Hunter Strickland was still bad. Like, I don't yes. even remember who else they got. Like, uh, Shane Green wasn't... was No, Shane Green went to to uh to atlanta and atlanta did the same thing they were just like let's just throw a bunch of arms at it
0: yeah it seems like uh that the new every every year uh postseason there's something new that they that teams trot out bullpen wise and and we're all always like oh this isn't sustainable in the regular season and it sort of has been until this year i don't think the Oh yeah, just throw all your good starters in the bullpen. Also, I think that that one is finally one where we're like, all right, well, this is a postseason strategy that actually won't work in the regular season.
1: Yeah, it, it'll be it'll be interesting because like the Brewers are kind of doing a weird thing where they're—I mean, it's not really weird. They're they're basically trying to get as many multiple inning relievers as they can, um, and then basically saying we don't think we need to spend that much money in our starting rotation if we can have a really flexible. Uh, Bullpen that can go multiple innings. And God, that, let me, it's like every, both September's, man, it has worked really well.
0: Yeah. Makes, I mean, it makes sense in theory. It's just bringing it into, uh, bringing it into the, into practice in the, in the postseason. And that is just kind of a crapshoot. So who, who knows?
1: Yeah. Well, you know, sometimes you get, Trent Grisham in right field
0: letting the ball by, yeah. you know, that, that's what happens. <laughs> that that was pretty much it. That would have been uh, that would have been a World Series. I think that that checks out. Um, that's as that's far what, as the roadmap goes. That's what it shows. And if we know anything about bullpen strategy, it's make sure your bullpen also plays right field. Yep. So speaking of uh, bullpen guys that play right field, let's switch over to our two to watch. Or no, we'll do some housekeeping first. Um, yeah.
1: So i'll just uh give a shout out to uh to folks on on the discord good chat again this week um we got actually a couple of questions i think for this week's podcast and the the discord as well and just kind of going through and some people were a little bit concerned about the fact that i said that i looked at one of my dynasty league teams and realized it was really bad and um and i knew it was bad but then it was like kind of in september i kind of just like said it and forget it and then looked back yeah. after the uh, after the, the postseason and was kind of going through because got to start thinking about keepers, got to start, you know, trading is opening up again, got to start preparing for the supplemental draft and was doing all of the stuff and, like, made me reevaluate my roster. And I was like, it, it, it's really bad. <laughs> um, so that was, like, really depressing. And then looking at some of your other ones and and kind of realizing that, oh, I've got a little bit more depth here than I was expecting. I can play around with some things and trying to, like... I was a little bit more engaged where I looked at uh, my one for TDGX, and I was just like, "Is is bad, man? Is not good." I'm, my pitching is actually pretty decent in it, which is not. Not something
0: that you really want to hang your hat on, but um, no, yeah, I took a peek at your uh, at your lineup in preparation for the episode where we just do a trade negotiation the whole time, and you know, see, and you, do you, <laughs> you does anything look good, or do you want to make a deal, or and, and yeah, you, you do have like, some good, you do have some good pitching options. Yeah, I thought you were gonna say, and I,
1: <laughs> you're like, I looked at your roster, and I was like, no, I do not want any of your pieces. <laughs>
0: uh,
1: uh, well, I'm like, I still have like. Ian Kinsler for some god unknown reason I think like every time I've tried to trade him that everyone is like I don't really want him and I was like that's fair (laughs) Um, I get it man yeah so we'll see but uh, so the discord's been been good so uh, thanks to the folks that have been active on that yep discord's Um, cool and then we've got Uh, the Patreon at patreon.com slash Tino podcast. If you want to get involved there, if you want to, uh, look at the ad free options, if you want to look at, uh, getting involved in the discord, it's all, all on that. And then, uh, again, we're still looking for the dynasty league options and trying to make sure that we can get that all filled out. So we can, we can move forward with it again, more, more and more emails. And we got folks on the discord. We got folks on Twitter talking about how they're really interested in it. And that's great. Um, until we actually get that filled out we can't really move forward with it because we don't know who to who to go forward with so um, get involved yeah. and, and I know that
0: we've had some hiccups maybe as far as uh, ads are concerned but if you join the patreon option for ad free then you don't even have to worry about that so easy easy A- fix
1: absolutely so uh, get involved at uh, Tino podcast. Or, nope, that's uh, patreon.com slash TinoPodcast. Uh, you can find that at our Twitter account, which is uh, at TinoPodcast. Um, you can also get in contact with uh, Mark and myself on Twitter. You can find that in the show notes. You can also get I'm, – I'm Ghostrunner at Second Base.
0: Mark, hit him with your uh, Twitter profile. Yeah, I'm at Hoodie and Tie. So just, uh, yeah, if you have any questions or we need to make any um – You know, make any adjustments or headway, hit us up, we'll figure it out. I'm a little disappointed that we stepped on my perfect relief pitchers that play the outfield segue uh, in two to watch. What was your your segue there? The most non-sequitur segue ever. So I was just like, yeah, speaking of these guys, here are four guys that have nothing to do with that. I was going to say, what we, your relief pitcher who played the outfield is Jemai Jones yeah.
1: with the Angels. Um, yeah, so I actually brought uh, Jemai Jones to the table because he's somebody that I've liked for quite a while. And he had – and he, it's kind of like jumping off of what we were talking about last week, guys, that had a really disappointing season. And Jemai Jones has kind of had a, a disappointing season for a couple of years in a row now. But the biggest thing that really happened this year was, you know, like the batting average was still bad. And I was going to kind of come to grips with the fact that maybe he was just going to be a bad average kind of guy, but he could maybe offer some speed. He could offer double digit uh, homers and we can kind of like figure that out and like on base percentage leagues. Maybe that happens. And then uh, he just like stopped running as well. I don't know. Like, it, it basically, he hit 234. He had a, a 308 on base percentage, a 324 slugging. All of that nobody gets excited about. But unlike in 20, 2018, in which he had over 20 stolen bases, he only had nine this year. He only hit five home runs. And I still like him. Like, he's still somebody that I just like, I still have a, a soft spot for. He's only 22 years old. He's moving to second base. He's still learning all that. He's still got the speed. He's still got some raw power. But, like, it's just not coming together and every year i do wonder if like it's just something in which even if he makes it it's not going to be anything that's exciting in the fir- you know in the first place yeah he
0: stole 9 bases this year and was thrown out 11 times which is extremely not what you want
1: well and to be fair like that's not that's like completely against what was happening in 2018 as well yeah i mean he was only he was only thrown out 4 times in 2018
0: so i guess that he at least attempted 20 20- stolen bases is the silver lining here yeah i guess that
1: yes if we need a, if we got a silver lining it is um it is that no i'm, I'm with you on but
0: jones though i think that my expectations have gotten severely tempered but i'm not out i guess if that makes sense i'd, I'd like to know where the power went he I know he didn't ever hit like a ton of home runs, but at least he was hitting doubles and getting extra base hits like the the slugging percentage um, drop is a little bit concerning but yeah like it's there's a lot of human elements like we always say that could go into it, and this will be his third year at a new position maybe that's something that he'll have a little bit more of a comfort level and that could help it's it's something that it's hard to put a number on because it's pretty much impossible, but it, it's definitely a factor. And it's something that you need to think about before you completely throw in the towel.
1: Yeah. And I mean, it cause the biggest thing was like, if he was going to be a dude, who could be kind of a 15 Homer 20 stolen base guy. Like you can deal with the fact that the average isn't great. If he's still going to get on mm-hmm. base because he could still, you know, he could still score some runs. Um, and, and that's not, like an impact profile but it's still a useful profile especially as still in bases are going down uh but like if he's not going to run and he's still like he's hitting for even just like less power i'm just I, I don't know where the redeeming qualities are um and i and again like i i get into the spot where i'm like i know as soon as i like give up on a guy that i really like over a long period of time uh
0: then he's like going to suddenly get better but yeah, it seems like with those guys, with the ones that are just your, um, almost the personal favorites, you'd have to go down with the ship, I think. Like, uh, well, this officially isn't going to happen because I just couldn't stand the notion that it would actually work out with me having given up, so I I just ride those into uh, <laughs> into early retirement. Good. Well,
1: Yeah. Then you talk me into it. I'll, I'll, I'll I was gonna stick with him anyway, <laughs> and I, I only own him in one league. But it, it was still one of those things that I was looking at, uh, you know, potential keepers, and it was like, is there a reason to keep, Jemmy Jones, other than the fact that like, the reason is I want to. Like that's not a real reason. That's not like a well. Legitimate when it reason. comes down to it, that's the only reason. Yeah. No. I mean, t- to be fair. That that is true, and and like he is only twenty two, he's still getting into the spot. Like, but uh, but you, I saw put somebody who also had a little bit of a disappointing season. Yes,
0: I picked Jesus Sanchez, who we talked about a little bit just around the trade deadline. I think um, he switched Florida teams, so he now plays for the Marlins, and he caught my attention. When I was reading, uh um, one of the beat writers did a projected 2019 lineup, and his name was mentioned as a potential uh, outfielder. It obviously they'll probably uh, finagle the uh, service time, so it won't be opening day. But we could see Sanchez earlier, maybe uh, than we had thought. His time with the Marlins has been interesting. Like the batting average got better. Which is not saying much because he only hit 206 in the first um, in the first ha- uh, 18 ga- or the first trip through AAA with the Rays. It got better. He hit 246, 338, 446 um, with the Marlins. I like he struck out a little bit less. He walked a little bit more. And we have some eyewitness reports. Uh, Keenan Lamb saw him uh, this spring um, when he was still with the Rays. And there's a lot to like it's it's high risk but good hand-eye coordination which bodes well for the hit tool not completely falling off the map and there wasn't any there weren't any really red flags as far as why his season was so disappointing um i think that he's definitely one that is has that stink um of oh why haven't we heard anything about sanchez must be because he's bad now and like Jones, he's 22. He should see some time in Miami this season. He doesn't run really, but he could be a decent hit. Um, and then you know chip in a little pop. I I'm still interested in seeing Sanchez, and I think that we could see um, you know see see that come to fruition sooner rather than later.
1: Well, I think the interesting thing about uh, about the Marlins, I guess, is that they did this with. Um, they did this with uh, Jess Chisholm as well, that they took, they basically uh, took a bet on a guy that has a lot of, uh, has a lot of upside, has a lot of tools, is somebody that, um, you know, has been really popular in, in prospect circles for a long time, but has had a little bit of a down season. I mean, like Sanchez wasn't bad in double A this year with, with the Rays. Like, But the thing is, is like the power that every that that is projectable uh, hasn't really come to fruition. I mean, he hasn't hit more than 15 homers in a season that was back in 2017. Even, you know, even this year, it was like, what, 13 homers Uh, last year when he really took a step forward and got everybody's attention in high A that he still only hit 10 homers that year. And obviously, you know, he's only 22 years old. He's he's just getting to to, triple A. He hit for more power when he got to triple A. Um, like certainly not suggesting that he's like, he's still, he's still an excellent outfield prospect. He's still somebody that you want. Um, but what I wanted to bring to the table when you were saying that he is a potential guy that we are going to see in the Marlins outfield, you know, they've still got Lewis Brinson, who I would imagine they're still going to give every shot to, but he's not somebody that I'm interested in, in, in dynasty. Mm Um, they still got, they've, they've still got Monte Harrison. And Monte Harrison was out for a lot of the year. He was injured. um, But he was somebody with a huge power speed um, ability with the Brewers. He was somebody that ended up kind of like flagging a little bit when he, when he ended up making the transition. He's, he went to the, the Marlins in the, uh, in the Christian Yellits trade, but even with the Marlins in Double A, when he had a, a down year because he only hit two two forty, he still had tw- he still had nineteen homers. He still stole twenty eight bases. He's still, you know, everybody wants to to talk about the fact that he was a former wide receiver recruit with, um, I think it was Nebraska. And in Triple A this year, before he got hurt, he had nine homers, twenty stolen bases in just over two hundred plate appearances. He hit two seventy four with a three fifty seven on base percentage. Still, somebody that like glides when he runs Mm -hmm. he's he's an excellent excellent athlete and i know him quite a bit just because he was with the brewers um and so i I paid attention to him a lot at that point talked to a lot of folks about him um and obviously saw him when he was was uh with the timber rattlers and stuff as well but he's still somebody that i think a lot of people are sleeping on and is is it like he's is it sanchez is just i think sanchez is probably a better prospect than harrison i'm not 100 percent sold that that Sanchez is a better fantasy prospect than Monte Harrison, though.
0: Well, I don't think that those two things are... I don't think that the presence of Harrison or Sanchez negates the other. I think that um, I just pulled up their their depth chart, their uh, roster, and it does have Lewis Brinson penciled in in center field, but then it has John Birdie and Harold Ramirez. Um, neither one of those guys is somebody that I think would block Sanchez or Harrison for any extended period of time. I I know that Birdie was decent last year, but he plays all over the field, so he's not locked into center field. I could see them both. Um, Maybe Harrison gets the call sooner just because of, um, I don't know how much that it matters, but familiarity with the organization, if that is something that comes into play and he goes through the system a little bit faster. Um but I think that I think that we'll see them both this season, and i Miami's interesting, and I hate to say it because it's way more fun making jokes about Derek Jeter, but I like a lot of the stuff that they have in the pipeline they're their, their pitching is legitimately fun, yeah, well, I should it say is. they're non urena pitching well
1: that's that's your uh closer Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but I will say that like Monte Harrison, not to, to to take away from, from the Sanchez point, but, um, you know, I could talk about one of my, one of my favorite Brewers prospects, uh, Monte Harrison, um, like he's going to strike out a lot. And so the batting average might be uh real bad, but if he's somebody he's got, he's got big power. He's, he's a good base runner. He can handle center field very, very well. Um, and he's, and he's an intelligent guy. Like he's a, he's a guy who's going to make adjustments as it goes. And so like, I'm not saying that he's going to always just be a dude who can't hit for average, but, uh, you know, he's got the track record of not hitting for average and he's got the, you know, he's got a, his swing isn't really built for average. Um, and he's got a strikeout rate that is, not built for average. So that's not that's not going away, but he is going to get on base still. He still has the ability to draw walks, and if he can draw walks, he can still potentially hit 20 homers. And if he's going to steal,
0: you know, 30 bases. Yeah, that's definitely the separator. Um, I think Sanchez could hit for a better average, even though he didn't do it in AAA last season. But the separator is absolutely the, the speed for Harrison because Sanchez has just not really shown that, uh, that skill set. Yeah, I and
1: I think Sanchez probably still has the 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 higher upside as it goes along. I still think he's got the ability to probably access the power a little bit more as he goes forward, just because the hit tool is going to be a little bit better. Um, but but I was just interested in when you were saying that you were saying that you were uh, that you were looking at the depth mm-hmm. chart and seeing that Sanchez was somebody that was going in because I think that Monty Harrison was going to get a lot of buzz
0: until he ended up going down with an yeah. injury. Yeah, they have they have an interesting team, and I would not have said that last year at this time. No, and,
1: you know, and they've still got – they've got your Lewis Bra- – they've got ba- – basically what ended up happening is in the Brewer's trade with – the Yelich trade, they basically sent them a bunch of dudes who had no hit tool and, like, said they can hit for a lot of power and they're pretty fast. <laughs> uh, did no, no sense that they're actually going to hit. And they traded the um, guy who has a great hit tool, hits for a lot of power, and is very fast. And Christian Yelich made every Brewers fan really, really happy in an interview with MLB Network, in which he was saying that his favorite thing about the reason, one of the big reasons why he thinks he broke out is because he loves playing in Milwaukee. Oh my god! And everyone was like, "That's phenomenal!" And I was like, "I was like, going to be a future politician, Christian Yelich, kiss ass." I know. And but the thing is, is like brewers fans i'm sure just like cleveland fans are used to being folks that like they're not like destination places in terms of sure. franchises so like as soon as anybody ever says it everyone they're goes always on it.
0: the no the no trade list yeah
1: <laughs> you can't ever trade him right and everyone's like do you extend him and i was like Dude. i mean if
0: he'll do it absolutely
1: <laughs> i mean i guess but i was like it, they had the ryan Braun extension that they extended him twice when they didn't even need to um, so as soon as somebody shows an ability that they want to maybe stay there for an extended period of time, uh, Mark Atanasio
0: jumps. Well, at you it. mentioned the Ryan Braun extension, which kind of hurts. And that brings us to our second pair of pitchers who are also both hurt. Tell us about yeah. Anderson Espinosa. I just wanted
1: to bring Anderson Espinoza to the table because he was one of the most highly touted pitchers when he got hurt in twenty sixteen. He has not he has not thrown since. No, he had
0: another Tommy John last or this April. And like I just I just assume that you I assume
1: that just you can't own him. No. Right? Like, is that where we're at? You just can't own him. I mean he's only twenty one.
0: No, I, I, do, I don't think you can I don't think you can either. There were There were injury concerns before to, to Tommy Johns. so I kind of think that he, he needs to sit on the waiver wire until you hear anything. like the slightest thing that's encouraging because there hasn't been anything in three years and there won't be anything until there might not be anything ever, but there won't be anything until at least maybe August. Of 2020. But at the same time,
1: did he just, you know, get his Tommy John surgery out of the way? Which t- which time? <laughs> yeah, both, both times. He got it out. So that means now he can pitch for, what, 10 years in a row? I
0: think, I think that that is what it means. I think that is. What Maybe it, this is just next God. level galaxy brain thinking by Anderson Espinoza and the Padres it's just just get it out of the way do it twice yeah, maybe he, maybe uh, he's gonna come back and be able to throw 200 pitches in a game 300 innings in a season and it's just he's his arm's gonna be bionic that's the new muddy ball yeah that is, absolutely. is the,
1: the new market the new market inefficiency is just banking innings by taking getting extra uh tommy john surgeries yeah. early Wow, did we just stumble on something A very injured pitcher, I think, is what we stumbled on. (laughs) Well,
0: I hope he he pitches. I hope he comes back because it's just a brutal story. But as far as fantasy is concerned, he's not really on my radar. So when when he was...
1: Because I was just trying to think about the fact that we talk about a lot of, like, pop-up pitchers. Mm -hmm. And... Anderson Espinoza, when he was getting, when he was getting love, everyone went nuts. And like, you know, they were kind of treating him as a top 50 prospect. Um, and now I feel like we've gotten to this place in which just no one wants pitchers at all. Well, except for your um,
0: TDGX team.
1: Look, my TDGX team actually has pretty solid I know, balls, that's what I'm saying. I'm You're the only yeah, one that wants I got, pitchers. I got Luis Patino. I've got Nate uh, Pearson, I think, what, Alex Hansen It's my other one, uh, and then I've still got, like, John Duplantier, I've still got other guys, so don't get me wrong, I because in some ways, like, I had this thought in my mind that just because, like, nobody wanted any pitching, I might as well go out and get some of the pitchers yeah. I liked, because nobody would want them in the first place. Yeah, that's uh, it's, it's chess.
0: Really, it's, it's, really
1: smart thinking. It's it is, uh, you know, what 10 step? Is that what, is that what you say? <laughs> yeah. Like the, there is, there is no pitching prospect or no such thing, whatever the acronym is, um, the really reductive one. Um, I just, is, is there a pitcher that you would see, like if we're looking at the lower levels of the minors right mm-hmm. now, so say below, I don't know, below high a,
0: are there any pitchers that you're just like going nuts over? Not Because re- I, really. I couldn't think of any. No, I, and I think that this is sort of um, a byproduct of what you just said about Anderson Espinosa. Like everybody went nuts for him, and then something like this happened, and everyone was cautious about pitching even before, and now everyone is just even way more cautious. So I, I sort of think that you don't hear that as much about pop-up pitchers in the lower levels. It just isn't something that really comes up as much.
1: So, what do you think about my uh my dumbass theory about the fact that everyone is undervaluing pitching so much that actually it's a decent time to buy pitching
0: i don't i mean I don't think it's a bad theory. I always think that you need to zig when everyone else is zagging, but I also think that you can put a caveat in where at least have the guy be in high a or double a maybe yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. I think the other thing that really becomes
1: difficult with that, especially in, like, uh, deeper dynasty leagues, as you know, we talk about TDGX a lot, is that I think part of the reason isn't just the, the volatility of pitching prospects, though I think that's there, and actually the one that you picked is a, is a good uh, highlight of that as well. But it's the fact that you have to roster so many hitters there's just so many hitters. Yeah. There are like, you have to have what? It's uh, like 15 hitters or something you have to start and you only have to start like nine pitchers and likely, what, six or seven of that Only six or seven of them are going to be starters?
0: Yeah, it, it really floods the market with pitching because nobody needs that many. So, yeah, I mean, I I, I do like your strategy of taking the time and going out and scooping up the guys you like, because you can probably get them for a pretty good value. But I don't necessarily think that loading up on pitching, well, you know, maybe loading up on pitching is a good strategy and then just kind of trading them for bats. But I don't know if you would get the same kind of value.
1: No, I think my strategy has been like, if there is a guy that has a pathway to being you know, an, an actual like impact starter like Luis Patino or somebody like Nate Pearson. Um, like Those were the people that I ended up going. And I actually took both of them in the supplemental drafts. I didn't actually trade for him. But, or no. I did trade. I traded for Patino. I, I traded uh, Will Myers last offseason. I traded Will Myers for uh, Videl Brujan and uh, Luis Patino, which actually I'm happy yeah, about. Yeah, that's a pretty good so, deal. Yeah, I did do that. Um, but... Yeah, that's just something to think about. But so who, who is the who is the oft-injured pitcher that you went
0: for? I picked Brent Honeywell, who was rehabbing and he was on his way back from Tommy John and then broke a bone in his elbow, which just sounds like it's the worst. Uh, it's like
1: one of those things that I heard it and then I immediately like grabbed my elbow. Yeah. And then I was also like, what does it mean to break a bone in your elbow? Nothing good, like, no good meaning from that. Yeah, I was just like, wh- what does that mean? I thought, an el- like, I thought your elbow was, like, I mean, maybe I'm just a moron, but, like, I thought it was a joint. Like, I thought it, like, your elbow was your joint, and then it it was your arm bones that were there. Mm-hmm. But maybe, like, is there an elbow bone? Well, I
0: mean, yeah, and it's connected to the arm bone. Right. Good.
1: This is exactly what everybody wanted in this podcast. <laughs> I think is like, I mean, I mean at least you're like medically uh, informed, adjacent. Yeah. Well, yeah, <laughs> good point. I mean, yeah, I was gonna say at least you like you live with somebody that could, would know. The sure, yeah, this. I
0: could I could find that out if uh, I wanted to and just didn't take the time before picking Honeywell. So I. I don't. I don't know anything. The, it's about sort of the, the same, body. but it's sort of the same question um, for Honeywell as it was for Espinoza. Maybe uh, it's maybe it's a little bit less. Is he completely off your radar because he was in AAA before he got hurt and he was a candidate for maybe getting a late season call? But the like this injury is bad, and getting shut down when you're rehabbing is also bad. So there's a there's a legit possibility that we just don't ever see Honeywell. And there's also a legit possibility that he comes back and resumes his path to being like a dude, like a legit dude. And the range of outcomes is maybe wider than anybody I've ever seen. So it's a lot. It's a lot like Caprelian
1: in some ways, too. Like it was just this notion of like he could just be absolutely nothing. Yeah, right because of the injury. Concerns. And I think Honeywell's
0: ceiling is even higher than Caprelian. Oh yeah, 100%. Yeah, 100% agree with so, that. So, what do you do? I mean, you can't I don't think that I think that with the ultimate upside, you can't just be like, "Well, broke his elbow when he's rehabbing from Tommy John, that's that's it for me. I'm 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 off, I'm out of the Honeywell business." But that's not I don't think that that's an unreasonable stance if that's one that you want to take. Um, I will say that if uh somebody wanted, if somebody was completely out on Honeywell, that I would be buying. Yeah, and then you factor in the Rays, how they utilize pitchers. Is he? I mean, he's probably not going to pitch more than five innings in a start if he does. I mean, that's putting the cor the horse ahead. of What is it? Uh, the cart ahead of the horse. The cart ahead yeah. of the horse. Yeah. Yeah. God, we're we're killing well, because- it. We're killing it today with like, you know with uh you know adages and sayings and medical advice being, and I was going to say and being dumb um
1: yeah so i think the one thing that i will you know my very amateur uh medical opinion which is i read something mm. and they said it was <laughs> good news uh is the fact that they were talking about the fact that um the fracture that he had that he's dealing with had nothing to do with his UCL, and it was not damaged whatsoever. And that um, one of the Rays uh, beat writers is actually saying that he might start throwing again in January. So it was a good, it was a um, good elbow break, not a bad elbow break. Well, I think it was like at least it didn't also break his ligament, which I don't really understand. But that's not another. That's aside the beside the point, um, because like at the same time you do wonder there are going to be so many people that just want to be out but at the same time if i was owning honeywell i just know that i that like i couldn't cut him because that doesn't make any sure. sense but like i'm also not going to get good value right. the only thing that i could do is maybe get somebody else who's you know I don't know, like your My Jones, <laughs> like somebody that people are just kind of out on, um, or old fashioned challenge trade. <laughs> what, yeah, what was it? The Josh Hamilton, Edison Volquez. Yeah. Was that? Was that one of the like big challenge trades that ended up happening? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to do with Honeywell. I think if you own him, you just kind of have to ride it. I
0: think it. I'm with you though that depending on his price, I would be interested in picking up some shares. Because of because of the ceiling, the ultimate ceiling is still really high. It's just that the floor got lowered even farther than it does for a regular pitching prospect.
1: Yeah, and and like I don't know, he was somebody that was going to miss bats, mm-hmm. and and you got to get to the place in which it doesn't seem uh, that a lot of just because I was going back to look at some of the. Um, the beat writer responses that you know when it ended up happening and what people connected to the Rays were saying, it, it sounded like they were almost saying it wasn't as bad as it could have been, um, which you know I guess that's fine. But at the same time, my rudimentary thinking on like pitching injuries is, uh, if somebody's having severe shoulder issues, like I'm out. I'm not interested dealing with somebody that has shoulder problems. Um, that's fair but but elbow issues they've been like surgeries and rehab and stuff so many people do it so many people come back so many people have uh, there's so many track records like i don't know what the track record is on like people coming back from broken elbows but i mean does it have anything to do with the fact that he throws a screwball
0: i think that that's that's definitely going to be a piece that's written this winter is did the screwball screw honeywell Hmm. Yeah. Uh,
1: no, I'm not acknowledging Yes. That.
0: All well, right, let's hit some questions.
1: Let's yeah, let's we'll, we're going to ignore that and move to questions. All right, so we got an email from Chris in the ICT, which I'm not exactly sure what the ICT is, but I don't know. He says thanks and loves the podcast. So so Chris is good, in my yeah. work. Um, so he says dear Tino squad He's looking for some help with his keepers and his 2020 plans. He's in a 20-team head-to-head head league that is a 7x7 roto with uh, saves and holds. And it's using uh, on-base percentage, slugging percentage, uh, quality starts, all of those things. So he was, uh, So he made the playoffs in 2018, so he's still in contention. He still has a pretty good team. He says he didn't make it in 2019 because he's in the strongest division. And he's not sure if he's really in rebuild or go-for-it mode. So he ended up going through, and he uh, listed his entire team. He went through all the the folks he's got. He's got 35-man rosters, but they only keep anywhere between 18 and 23. And so he says that he needs... He gives us a list of players, and he says he needs at least four more keepers to get to the minimum and to get extra draft picks, but he can keep up to nine. So anywhere between four and nine. Basically saying... Uh, any any of these keepers above four need to be hypothetically more valuable than somebody he could go and get via draft pick, which we don't know all the information there, but we'll do what we can Yes. Get. Okay, so between four and nine, and he gives um, keeper Ruiz, uh, Ruiz uh, Daniel Murphy, Jesus Aguilar, Andrew Vaughn, uh, I looked at this and said that it was Nate Jones. And then you were like, I'm pretty sure it's Nolan Jones. Uh, it's fair point. If it's Nate Jones, uh, more power to you that you've been keeping
0: him for so long, but it's probably Nolan Jones. If it's Nate Um, Jones and you've been keeping him this long, you got to just keep, keep, keep keeping him ride that train.
1: (laughs) Just keep, keep going. He'll eventually be that closer. He's closer Uh, in waiting as we speak. Yeah. (laughs) Closer in perpetual. I am also a closer in waiting. Um, just nobody's given me the call. It's been incredible. Uh, and uh, again, if we're going, I would assume that this is Justin Upton, though BJ Upton, it would be fun. Um, BJ Upton for the, uh, MLB pundit fantasy league. Um, and then we got Jake Fraley. We've got Jesus Sanchez, who we actually just talked about. we got Trevor Richards. We've got Garrett Richards. Uh, um, uh, we got uh, Joshua uh, James. Lucid. Thank you. I was All I could think of was Justin James, and that was definitely not right. We've got Cal Quantrill. We've got uh, Loa Siga with the uh, Yankees. And then we got Baez, a relief pitcher with uh, the Padres. Okay. That's a lot yes. of names. And you said you were going through there anywhere between four and nine.
0: You said that four – you could come up with four extremely easily. Yeah, so I picked the four that I had uh, just right – to get to that limit, and then we could uh, rehash how many more on top of that, if any. Um, I have I have Andrew Vaughn, I think is maybe the no-brainer of no-brainers. Uh, I have Nolan Jones, Jesus Sanchez, and I have Cal, Cal Quantrill because I really liked what he did last year for the Padres in his first season and in his first full season, I should say, and I think that he's an interesting kind of like mid-rotation guy moving forward um so those are my four i think there's some others that are probably keepable also but there's something uh there's something enticing about getting the extra picks too uh just in case somebody uh, makes a mistake on their keepers or has too many keepers um so what would yeah. you say did, did you have any names to add to those four uh yes
1: so cal Quantrill, i actually could kind of take or leave um I, I wouldn't be opposed to, to keeping him, but like, I think I'd rather have low Sega. Okay. Um, but I think keeper Ruiz, Ruiz, you have to keep, um, I think his, and I know he's a catcher. I know he's now blocked by Will Smith, but he's still one of the best fantasy catchers that's available in minors. Um, I st- he still has, I think all-star capability. He a little bit of a down year, but the, the, I still like him a lot. I'd be keeping Ruiz. I'd be keeping Andrew Vaughn, Nolan Jones. If you have Nate Jones, I'm keeping him, too, because I agree. You have to. Yeah. You just have to roll with it. Um, I still think you keep Justin Upton. I think he would be a hard drop, too, as well. So, I think that... I mean, unless you're... If you think you're going for it, I think you have to keep Justin Upton. If, if you're not 100% into going for it, then... I think you can. Maybe you can take it or leave it. Um,
0: do you keep Garrett Richard? So I, I like both Richards, and I have kind of been in on both both those guys for the last few years. I think that they're probably just off the list because you'll be able to find somebody kind of similar to that in the draft, especially if you have a few extra stabs at it. And if and if yeah. somehow that backfires, then you might be able to scoop one of those two guys up or both uh, with those extra picks.
1: Yeah. I think that's, that's where I stand as well. I, and it's not even really clear that Richards is going to start. Um, I mean, the Padres have a lot of, uh, have a, a lot of pitching options, you know, and Quantrill not just the only one, but they're, they're going to have a lot of, uh, a lot of options. It's going to be interesting. I Garrett Richards, I think you could probably comfortably get, uh, via the redraft. So I think I agree that I would not be keeping him. Um, I don't think I'd be keeping Jake Fraley. I'm not biased. I think you can you can comfortably let go. James, I'm not really on. James had Tommy John surgery, right? Did he? Or my or am I like not remembering this? No, correctly?
0: I, I not recently.
1: All right. Well, maybe I'm making that up. So, uh, well, he was on the playoff roster, yeah. so that's clearly not clearly not the case. So, uh, I might might think Corbin Martin maybe he had Tommy John he was with he was with the Astros. oh yeah he definitely did. um so
0: also I think yeah he got yeah. traded in the Granky deal
1: he did he did because uh when I was writing it on very little sleep I had forgotten the fact that he had Tommy John surgery and then one of our kind commenters said that I was a moron ah, you
0: gotta love and kind I was, commenters
1: well and like to be fair I did forget. Uh, but, like, the stupidest thing was, is, like, I wrote the, the transaction uh, analysis, like, earlier in the day and, like, mentioned he had Tommy John surgery. And then I wrote the stash list later at, like, 3 in the morning and uh, didn't mention that he had Tommy John surgery. And so I was like, I just clearly forgot. Um, so, I think the, my biggest problem with uh, with Richard's, the, the Ray's version, mm-hmm. is... I'm not 100% sure he's going to start.
0: No, I agree with you. I think he could be one of those guys that goes three, four innings after the opener. So I don't think, for me, I don't think he's going to be somebody that, that I would keep. Well, I, I just, I've liked him when he was in Miami. I Best case scenario is I think he does so well in that role, sort of like a Ryan Yarbrough or Yoni Chirinos, that he just eventually yeah. gets into the full-time starting gig, but, uh, that's, it's far from a certainty.
1: Well, I mean, I've, I own him in two two different leagues. So like, I'm not, I'm not saying I actually might keep him in Mm -hmm. one, but I think that says more just about how bad my roster (laughs) is. Um, so (laughs) yes, that's TGGX for people playing along at home. I think I'm going to keep him. Um, and we get into this place in which Jesus Aguilar, I, I, there's no, there's no way I'd be keeping him. Uh, Murphy, I don't think so. I mean, he was disappointing this year. The Rockies are going, and he's still with the Rockies, yep. right? I'm remembering that correctly. Um, the Rockies are going to have so many different options, whether it's McMahon, they're going to have uh, Brendan Rodgers coming back. Um, so, and they've still got Garrett Hansen, even though I, I think he's probably somebody who's a good candidate to be traded this mm-hmm. offseason. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what goes. Jake Fraley's not somebody that I'm keeping. I think I'd rather go into the draft. And, yeah, so I think for me, I'd go Ruiz, I'd go Vaughn, uh, Nolan Jones, Sanchez, uh Loisiga, And then I think Quantrill I probably would keep. I don't feel great about it. And then Upton is just, like, completely dependent upon whether or not you want to go for it this year or not.
0: Yeah, that sounds good.
1: All right, so Chris, hopefully that helped. Anybody else who wants to get in contact with us in terms of uh, a lot of these more in-depth ones, that's chinopodcast at chinopodcast.gmail.com. Get in contact with us there. And we got a second email from our man Cliff. And uh, he kind of g- gave us some logistical stuff, and, and we're going to get in contact with him on that. But he also sent us a quick note that made me really happy, <laughs> and I just needed to bring it. Because he said... So he, he's gotten involved with the Bat-Signal on on BP, and he says that he has asked one question on, on the Bat-Signal forever, and our own Mark Berry was the one who answered. It had to do uh, with Sonny Gray, and apparently, that in the context of last year, you apparently co- uh, told him to believe in Sonny Gray, and he said that you were wrong about Sonny Gray, but you were turned it turned out that you were maybe right because he was so good this year but the problem was is he was in contention last year and he cut bait so he trusted you at the beginning of last year to keep him or is, so this would have been actually 27 no it would have been
0: yeah, last 2018 year. so
1: yeah so he he believed in your advice to keep Sonny Grey and then it got so bad and he was trying so hard to win that he ended up having to cut bait and then you were kind of right because he's turned into be pretty good this year but you burned him so badly last year that he cut bait
0: i look i just think it's wild that cliff caught me the one time i was wrong about something like um, on all these bat signal questions he got the one and i apologize because i it hasn't happened otherwise but he got the one time where i you know wasn't on it, and I was a, a little bit late, I guess, a year late. But the one time that I get it wrong, and it, and he uh, cuts bait on Sunny Gray, so Cliff, I apologize. Um, that usually never happens, but uh, for this this occasion, um, you know, we both got burned on that one.
1: You know, and uh, what I will say is. I mean, I tend to think that a ninety nine point nine percent success rate is actually pretty good on your. Yeah,
0: rate. but that's not that's not what I hold myself to. That's not the level that I aspire. Well,
1: uh, I would like to apologize also on behalf of Tino Podcast for uh, Cliff getting burned on Sunny yeah. Gray, um, but we would like to be able to to just highlight the fact uh, Mark was wrong. Yeah. Um. But it was the only time the only time the, the I mean, it's the only time since, you know, we've been working yeah. together. Um, so those were a couple of email questions that we got in contact. And, and you know,
0: uh, we get had a lot more in terms of Twitter and the discord. So, Mark, you yeah, let's, with some let's just knock a few of these out uh, quickly before we wrap up. Um, From the Discord, uh, our man Stan Slate, who has been really active on the Discord, he's a really fun guy to chat with, so if you sign up for the Patreon, he will be one of the gentlemen that you will get to to correspond with on the Discord. His question was, what do you guys make of the Braves' rotation this year? Wright and Newcomb's spots seem precarious. I agree. I don't know what they're going to do. I know that you mentioned that they could be in play... uh, Depending on their budgetary restrictions, they could be in play for one of the big guys. They have a lot of guys that are okay, and I just don't know which ones are going to jump out. Um, to be fair to them, I thought that last season, I thought uh Nevich was the, was the only guy that could be relied upon. And then, you know, uh, Mike Soroka looks good, Max Fried looks good, and they, ha- they have some guys like Brees Wilson. They have guys that are interesting. And if they can get one of them, not named Soroka or Freed, who I think are just legitimately good, if they can get one of their other guys to make that jump, then they're starting to look potent. And I'm not necessarily sure that Newcomb is going to be the guy. I think that he just might be a reliever at this point. What do you think?
1: Well, I i will say um, I'm not a huge believer in I Actually, I actually I, uh, – I wrote something prior to last year that he was actually one of the pitchers that I was going to be avoiding. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still am not big on him going forward. I still think he, maybe he can be a, a, useful in spurts, but I don't think he's somebody that you would want to, to invest into. Oh him yeah. I don't, I don't think he's
0: an ace. I thought that he was the oh, guy no. that, that had pitched the best the previous season of these. Um, and he's, Older than a lot of these guys, so of the of the quote unquote young core, I thought he was the one that was just going to be locked in. Um, he's an SP three, probably SP four for me. Yeah, yeah, I'm not even sure he's an SP four for me.
1: I I'm I'm not I'm not big on. Okay, him. Uh, I think for I think for me actually one of the I I think that people don't necessarily talk about Ian Anderson enough.
0: Oh yeah, he, Ian Anderson's um, a stud.
1: Yeah, I think Ian Anderson is somebody that potentially could be – I don't – he probably doesn't, like, break camp with the team or anything mm-hmm. like that. But I think he's one of the the guys for the Braves rotation more long-term that I'm, I'm interested in. There are a lot of people that are still surprisingly in on Kyle Wright. Um, I'm not one of them. Uh, just – I don't – I don't I, – and to be fair, I haven't looked at it enough to, like, have a really firm opinion on it. But um, – it just hasn't. It hasn't. It's been bad. Uh, and the stuff has looked good from time to time, but, like, the results haven't been there. And there are just so many different options in their rotation that they can chop and change on. Now, Atuki Toussaint, what are you, is he a reliever? Yes. Okay. Because last year they were kind of bouncing him back
0: and forth. And who knows, maybe if they start to employ the opener, he could be the guy that goes three innings. But I don't, I don't see him as a guy that's going to go more than five innings effectively, or more than a handful of innings effectively, really.
1: Yeah, I think I think for me, I would be expecting the Braves to invest pretty heavily in their, their starting rotation. I think they're going to go big. Because if you look at, they're pretty much stacked in every other position outside of maybe third base, but that's pro. I don't know. like Because it's not like, you know, Josh Donaldson obviously was there, but they've still got the ability to go with... Uh, um, uh, Camargo there, if they yeah, like Austin Riley uh, and Austin Riley, they could certainly move there. Uh, so I still think that basically they don't have a lot of money invested or, or t- locked up for 2020 in the big place that they need to address. Well, they need to address the, the bullpen as well, but I don't necessarily know how much that's going to cost. Uh, I still think that they can go pretty big in the, in, in the starting pitching market. Yeah.
0: But, uh, precarious rotation, but not, not terrible. Like they de- they definitely yeah. have options and and ways to go. Yeah. Uh, Jeffrey Cottrell from Twitter asks: Craft spirits or craft beers? Spencer Howard or Grayson Rodriguez? What do you say? What do you uh, say? Craft spirits or craft beers? Well,
1: I don't I don't drink, so I'm not all that much. Oh, fun. Okay. Um. So, but I love coffee. Oh, craft so, coffee. Give me. So give me, uh, give me the really like uh, hipster kind of coffee. Yeah. Um, so that that's where I sure. am, and in in Oregon there are a lot of different roasteries out here, and I am very happy. Ooh, that, that, yeah, that the, does sound pretty good. So I am I'm on the co- I am on the craft coffee train. So how about yourself? I was on
0: craft beers, but have kind of just fallen off that. Um, in the last couple of years and, and more into the cocktails, which you can also talk about on the Discord with our own Jeffrey Patronostro. So shout out to all his cocktails. Um, I went to a place while we were in Tokyo. Tokyo, excuse me. I can't talk. I can't pronounce names. Um, that was you just walk in and sit down and say, hey, I would like something that is fresh and not very sweet and maybe citrusy. And then they would just come out and bring you a drink. So that was pretty cool um, as far as the craft spirits are concerned. Yeah, we
1: have a, we have a whiskey bar that is pretty near where we live right now that um, does craft cocktails. And uh, we ended up like meeting a few people there and, and my wife and, and uh, a couple of our friends basically were just trying different things and kind of allowing the bartender to just kind of try different things based on what they said they liked in terms of, of the cocktails. Um, so that was fun in terms of Spencer Howard or Grayson Rodriguez. I am, I'm on Spencer. Howard. Me too.
0: Yeah. All right. Echo in green asks on Twitter, rank these three bats who only got a taste this season for the next three years. Trent Grisham, Nico Horner, Jake Fraley
1: uh Nico Horner even though I still think he's going to be a little bit overhyped I don't think the power or speed is going to be I think he's kind of really have to have a whole lot of uh volume because I think he's largely going to be kind of a 280 to 290 mm-hmm. hitter guy I don't think he's going to hit 20 homers I I, I don't think he's going to run much and so it's going to be a, a lot of contextual stats um but I still think he's the, the safest bet out of all of them. I think Trent Grisham's probably second. I think Jake Fraley's third. I'm not sold on either of them long-term and being impact guys, but yeah. So I think probably Horner for sure is a clear first and then probably Grisham and then Fraley, but
0: no, I, I think know. I I think that's um, the right order as well. So I don't have really anything to add. I, I like Horner as one of those guys that um, is, can play a few different spots, can just move around the field. Really good for positional flexibility, and I know I said that I didn't have anything to add, and then added something. So let's move on. Scott from on Twitter, uh, Zach Daniels at Zach Daniels Senior. Any veterans coming off a disappointing 2019 that you are targeting as Bylos lows and dynasty?
1: I. I was trying to think of this, and I wasn't actually 100% sure, so I was going to kind of punt Yeah, you so I,
0: I just wrote down a handful of names um, that are uh, various degrees veterans and various degrees um, disappointing. Jose Ramirez is somebody I'm taking the temperature on uh, for their uh, dynasty manager just because I think you saw it at the end of the season, before he got injured, he was rounding back into form. I'm still... All in on Jose Ramirez, so I think that uh, he just last year in redrafts, he was the third pick uh, pretty much across the board, so he's a guy that I um, don't have any concerns about. Um, Corey Seager is another one who just seems like his stock has just plummeted for some reason um, in Dynasty, and he's still really young and still pretty talented and still plays for the Dodgers for now. Um, I don't think Buster Posey's washed. I don't yeah. think that he, like he was really, really bad this year and catchers. So, uh, so bad that I would, I would take a look at Buster Posey. I don't think that he's terrible. And so he could be, um, he's not going to be a top three, top five guy, but he could be just outside that for me.
1: Yeah. I, still, I mean, it, the easy one for me is Jerkson Profar. Mm-hmm. Um, I still think, I don't think he's going to be a stud, but I think, yeah, I think he's pretty clearly better than he was last year. Um, I think he'd be somebody I would be interested in. I think David uh, David Peralta mm-hmm. is somebody I'm interested in as yeah, well. Um, just because even if the power doesn't 100% return and like you're kind of stuck with 2019 David Peralta, like that's still solid. It's what, like 15 to 20 homers, he's going to hit 270, he's still going to be able to drive in some runs. I still think it's a, a decent profile there. Um, I think... I, I mean, to be honest, I think Manny Machado is somebody that I'm... Like, I know we talked about it a little bit before. I think people are too far down on Manny Machado. Oh, without a doubt. I I think he's somebody that, again, I would be I would be looking at. Um, so, off the top of my head, I think those are the ones that I might be going for. I might also be going for Josh Reddick as well. Um, I still think he's going to hit for more power than he did this past year. I, I know he's not going to play a ton, but... Um, but he's still somebody that I would be interested in. Um, and also Edwin Encarnacion is somebody that I might be kicking the tires on as well.
0: Yeah, he's he's not going to be the batting average guy that he was. Um, and he was never premium batting average, but he was better than he has been the last couple of years. But he hit 30 home runs again. That just seems like death taxes and Encarnacion hits 30 home runs. Look, and I bring me Edwin Encarnacion and Miller Park is what I want. <laughs> That's what I want. Um, all right, real quick, shout out to our guy Meathead. Asked us another question: Would you move Acuna for a return of Bellinger and Bo Bichette or Correa in a sixteen-team dynasty league? Um. Oh God, I probably uh, would, but I wouldn't feel good about trading Acuna. Getting Bellinger is huge, and then maybe another top. Uh, I, I top definitely top fifty guy. Um, for Bob Um I actually don't have Correa in my top 50 just I'm too scared about all the back injuries that keep flaring up but I don't wouldn't feel good about it but I might end up pulling the trigger on that deal
1: well and the thing is is it, for me it all completely depends on whether or not you think that Bellinger is going to continue to run a little bit because my immediate thought was yeah clearly you do that I think that Bellinger is is good enough that that's a clear that's a clear win. But then I was like, I don't like Acuna is so valuable because he's he's premium in every single offensive he's category. He's so so good. I mean, it's 40 homers. He had 37 stolen bases last year. He's not going to kill you in average. He had over 120 runs scored. I mean, and he's and he's still run, he's still uh, driving in runs. Like, it, it, if you believe that Bellinger is going to continue to give you double digit stolen bases, I think you can justify. it. I, and I, I mean, I, I guess off the top of my head, I'm not necess- I can't really remember if uh, Bo Bichette is going to run all that much. I don't think he's going to run. I changed my mind. I'm not he, trading Acuna. Well, I mean I guess Bobochette did have ah, he stole thirty two bases in twenty eighteen. Twenty nineteen he still stole twenty. Oh
0: I just can't I can't yeah. you can't trade Acuna, You just can't.
1: I think I think if you're in contention, I don't think you do it. I think if you're rebuilding, I think it's a no brainer.
0: Okay, well, uh, last question. and We'll just hit on this really quickly just because I thought it was interesting, and I might try and flesh it out a little bit in an article in the future because I thought it was uh, a cool idea from Jack Cecil, who is a repeat question offerer. So thanks, Jack, for this. Looking at players' exit velocities and plate discipline, who's your favorite player to project making a mechanical tweak and go full Jose Bautista? So I i just wrote down a few names and and like i said maybe we can flesh this out in an article or something but i just looked at guys who hit the ball hard who maybe hit the ball on the ground a little bit too much and guys that uh, could take a walk or two the big one on the list is tommy fam i think he would be he does everything well but he just hits too many ground balls um and then similarly, maybe to a lesser extent with the plate discipline, uh, Trey Mancini, Brian Reynolds, Ryan McMahon, I think also all could use uh, a little bit more loft and they could, uh, they could make a pretty significant leap. So I think for, for me, like this is kind of a boring
1: answer, but it's actually something I, I haven't seen anything that actually shows that exit velocity is predictive. Like, like, Every single time we all talk about exit velocity, and I think so much of this is coming, and I understand that intuitively it makes sense to say that high exit velocity means you're hitting the ball hard, but I have not seen anything to suggest that it's actually
0: predictive. Yeah, so I guess that's why I maybe detoured into who are guys that have good skills but hit too many ground balls. Um yeah. and are still in er, early enough in there cuz I had Eric Hosmer on this list too and was just like, eh, he already got paid. What's his incentive to actually change his swing and improve because he's not going to get paid more?" So I I picked a few guys that were still on that contract before they would um before they actually got paid. So that's kind of where I was at with my answer.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't it's so hard because the big thing about Jose Bautista is like No one. Yeah, it was just out of nowhere. And, and it was like, all of a sudden he just became an absolute monster. Um, and, and that's like the biggest, I mean, that's like the big thing about a guy like, um, like Paul Goldschmidt as well. It was just like, all of a sudden it just like was, was just monstrous. Mm -hmm. I would I mean, like it's not the same thing because he actually has a he has a um, a prospect pedigree. He still is somebody that I, I you know has had some success and and somebody that a lot of people, depending on who you talk to will really like. but I think Dominic Smith
0: is actually somebody that can do could be pretty big. Uh, well if're we're, if we're gonna start talking about Mets, I think that that's uh, our cue to get out of here well
1: and the thing is is like i'm not 100 sure if like all of a sudden like jeff is listening to this and his and his like ears start bleeding because i mentioned uh dominic smith <laughs> or if he's like super happy
0: i'm not i actually don't really know which one that is um so well, yeah ju- judging so I think, by the message board i can guess one way or the other yeah good good not happy he's not happy that's big that's big. That means we won. <laughs> that means we won. And it also means that that's probably it for us for this uh, for this episode of Tino. Thank you so much for all the questions. Hit us again uh, at Tino Podcast Patreon dot com uh, Tino Podcast Tino Podcast at Gmail dot com. Keep coming. It definitely gives us stuff to talk about, and I think that we'll probably have more things once. Um, some of our off-season pieces start to roll out. Um, once we can get this dynasty league off the ground, we'll have a lot more uh, fun, fun, fun stuff to talk about. So stay tuned, keep listening, keep the questions coming. We appreciate all of it. Uh, got anything? You got anything? W- words of wisdom to leave all of us with before next week, JP.
1: No, I think making Jeff mad about uh, talking about Dominic Smith is exactly what I needed to do to to, to peace
0: right. out. Shout out, shout out Dominic Smith. We love everyone. See you next time.